definitely been a good morning of music, that's for sure, and uh, missions as well. So glad Jason's here, and I know there are many here that have spent a lot of time at Mercy's Gate volunteering, so we appreciate those of you who, who partner with them in that way. So if you remember last week, we looked at this great song of praise that David has given us. We talked about how that song of praise should take our minds to the events of the Exodus, where God opened that pathway for his people, allowed them to cross over on dry ground. He secured that pathway, brought his people through to the other side where they became a new creation. They were a new nation. They were free because of what God did. And so David is telling us how we are to find that freedom, how we're to experience God's control over the chaos in our lives. And it has to do with that pathway that's secured by him. And then David told us that the way that God does this is through his shepherding. We read that God is our shepherd, but he's not just our shepherd. He's actively involved in shepherding us. We can see his action, his activity in our lives and so we find security in that we know that what he's done is what he always will do and what he always will do is what what he will continue to do and so we're secure in that we're able to rise above the chaos that's all around us because of who he is and what he does and what does he do he brings life he brings order he restores he redeems he resurrects that is our god and he is our shepherd. And so this week, we're going to be back in Psalm 23. We're going to look at the first two things that David tells us he does as shepherd to show us, in fact, we are being shepherded along this path. And remember, in Hebrew thought and in Hebrew vocabulary, the action is what's important. Those constructs are important. They're important things for us to know but what's more important than knowing that God is our shepherd is that he is actively shepherding us. He is actively involved in caring for and protecting and nurturing us. How do I know he's my shepherd? He's shepherding me, right? Because he is shepherding me. It's not a construct. It's his action. And so with this in mind, turn to Psalm 23. And if you're able, please stand I will read the entire psalm. We'll only look at verse 2 this morning. And remember, these are the very words of God. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Please pray with me. Father, we are so grateful for these words, the living word. And Lord, your word became flesh and has dwelt among us. And, and Father, because of that, we can know who you are. We see what you've done. And that gives us great confidence and assurance to know that what you've done is what you always will do. All of those great promises that you've left us with, we know you will fulfill. And that gives us great hope and again, assurance 
We can find security there, Lord, and we are identified by those words. Father, we thank you for this time. We give it to you, and as always, we ask that you would sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth, and it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So again, this verse is going to now introduce us into the actions that God takes to show us that he is shepherding us. His shepherding activity, this is how we are going to experience him being our shepherd. Right? You want to know who I am? Look at what I do. First, we need to understand that Hebrew doesn't have the same word flow as, as English does. Hebrew isn't so concerned as with syntax and structure and, and those types of things. And so in this verse, the English has rearranged the original in order to fit with our own sentence flow and syntax and those things. And, and so in the original, this verse actually reads, In pastures green, he makes me lie down. And that's important for us because in Hebrew, typically the most important things come first. And so David is telling us in this sentence that the important words, the more important words is in pastures green. And that is the Hebrew word benote. Two quick questions for you. If you're a sheep, what does pasture mean to you? And secondly, as a sheep, what is most important to you? When I think of pasture, I picture this lush green field full of of beautiful green grass, maybe a gentle breeze that's making the the heads of that grass sway back and forth. And and in fact, when I googled pasture, that's exactly what I got. The pictures that came back were, were green, lush fields, and many of those pictures had cows with mouths full of grass. And that's what pasture is. It's food. It's eating, right? As a sheep, one of the most important things to you is, am I going to eat today? Will I be fed? You know, it's great that God says he loves you. It's wonderful that he says he cares for you. It is absolutely incredible that he has a wonderful place for you after you die, but we have to live now. We have to eat. And so we want the shepherd to tangibly care for us. And the most important idea here is that he takes us to green pastures. He takes us to that place where we will, in fact, be fed. See, we tend to see the activity of God as being the most important. He makes me lie down. But again, in this verse, David is writing from the perspective of the sheep. God shepherds me. How do I know he shepherds me? He takes me to the place where I'll be fed. It's food. And this is important, again, because David has just told us that because God is shepherding me, I'll not lack. There's nothing that I will lack that that I need in order to accomplish what I need to do as a sheep. And one of the first things there is nourishment, right? Benote, that word, comes from the root word nawa. And that word most literally means to keep at home. So green pastures then is associated with being home. I don't know about you, but I love being home. <laughs> I just, I, uh, my wife calls me Saturday Devon when I'm home because I don't look like this. I look like I normally do. Um, I just love being there, right? I know there I'm accepted. I know there that I'm loved. 
I know there that I can, I can shut down, I can rest, and, and I can be restored and renewed, and, and I can be refreshed. I just, I love being home. And when I'm elsewhere, one of the greatest desires I have is to feel at home, to feel like I belong, to have a place that's safe, to, to know that the people there care for me. So the first thing, again, that this verse tells us about being pastured is it's home. And being home carries the idea of, of being nourished and nurtured. And, and it tells me two important things. First, family is the most essential building block of all society. There's no home without family. I don't feel at home all by myself. Yeah, I had a lot of family in this week, and it was incredible. It was wonderful. My three siblings were here. I had nieces and nephews here. I had cousins, and, and my aunt was here, and it was just good. It was good to be with family. And, and after my dad's service, I was talking to a few people and they told me how fortunate I was because they didn't know their family. Their experience was completely different than mine. And, and I realized how much for granted I had been taking my family. The fact that I had close ties to my family. I, I knew all of my grandparents. I even remember meeting my great-grandfather. Who, who is a pastor, and his Bible is displayed in my, my office. I met aunts, uncles, great aunts, great uncles. It, it, it's, it's really a, a privilege. Uh, as I was talking with my aunt one night, we were talking about family and history, and she told me that my great-grandfather on my dad's side was also a pastor. I didn't know that. And so family is good. It, it's good. To be at home, to have green pastures, is to have this sense of family. And second, the thing it tells me is that God is the one that's responsible for home. There is no home without God. There's no pasturing without the shepherd. The same people who shared with me about not knowing their family and how fortunate I was were very quick to then talk about how incredibly blessed they are because they have family right here. And that family perhaps is even better than Regular family because it's deeper than blood and flesh. The family of God is their family. And they knew that here in this place, they were cared for, they were loved. And that's what we should be all about. We should love one another. We should care for one another. We should nurture one another. We should provide for one another. We should protect one another. That's what family is. That's what home is. And that's what God intends to bring us to, this place of home. It's the family of God. We are family. And this family goes deeper than those bonds of flesh and blood. We need each other here. This is pasture. And when we look at the picture that's presented by this word, it, it even adds to this idea that this is the place where I'm accepted and, and provided for. The picture that unfolds is something like a house that is a house of life that is secured by a covenant. This is what God is all about. Right? When we are sheep, the shepherd provides this house, and this house is life-giving. We find life here because of the covenant that was established by him. And a covenant is a binding agreement. 
It's, it's much deeper than just a contract. And, and I really, I don't have time to go into how incredibly important covenant was and really still is. Suffice it to say, covenant was everything. And so this covenant that God has made that provides this security, we find in Genesis 15. God speaking to Abraham, he tells him to bring a, a, a animals, certain specific animals. And then he tells Abraham to cut those animals in half and lay them opposite each other. What that would do is the blood of those animals would then run together and create what's known as a blood path. And the covenant partners would then walk through that trail of blood, reciting the promises that were, they were making to each other. What that was is essentially them saying, here are the promises that I'm making to you. And if I break my promises, may worse happen to me than what's happened to these animals. God prevented Abraham from walking that path. We read that Abraham fell into a deep sleep and he, he was pinned. He couldn't get up. And God himself walked that path, reciting those promises. And in its essence, here's what it was. Abraham, if I break the promises I'm making to you, I'll pay the price. And Abraham, if you break the promises, I'll pay the price. God was saying, Abraham, this covenant is based on me and me and alone. It's not based on you fulfilling your side of the bargain. And when you break it, and Abraham, you will break it, I'll pay the penalty. I'll take the price. Right? We, we read about this smoking oven and this burning torch that walks that path. Smoking oven is often used to refer to God the Father. The, the flaming torch is often used to refer to God the Spirit. Where's the Son? Well, allegorically, figuratively, we can say that the Son is there shedding His blood to provide the path. Those animals that God told Abraham to bring are all part of the sacrificial system, and so we're to see Jesus there. Jesus is the one who would spill His blood to pay the penalty for our breaking the promises that we've made to God. Jesus, again, is all over the Old Testament it's his covenant that secures this house. And the covenant is based on his promises and his promises alone. That's where we find the security. And in this house is where we find life. The covenant brings us to this place of life. And that's what he's been doing all along. Right? I know who he is because of what he's done. David looks back and he sees this covenant and he realizes that God has been bringing Abraham's house into this place, these green pastures, all of these years. And those who have the faith of Abraham, those who join his house, those who become sheep, are the ones that will be included in the promises that this covenant will deliver. They will be cared for. Listen to Galatians 3, 6, and 7. Just as Abraham believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness, then understand that those who have the faith are Abraham's sons. Romans 4, 16 through 25, I encourage you to go and read that because there you'll read about these promises that were given to Abraham. And even in the midst of times in his life when everything was telling him this God cannot be trusted, he trusted, he obeyed, he was faithful. He had faith that God would deliver the, him from those promises. 
And then we read, therefore, it was credited to him for righteousness. Now it was credited to him was not written for Abraham alone, but also for us. It will be credited to us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. So two questions for us so far. One from last week, are you a sheep? Are you on the shepherd's path? Have you walked through that door? Jesus says, I am the door. Are you on the shepherd's path? And for this week, where do you dwell? Where do you live? David says, if I'm being shepherded, I will dwell in this covenant relationship that secures who I am and brings me life. So these questions, how am I going to be taken care of? Where is my home? Do I belong somewhere? All of these find their answers in being pastured, in being shepherded. And I can't be in God's house. I I won't be home if I'm running around doing whatever it is that I want. I've got to be a sheep. I've got to be on his path. So God's first activity related to this is that he takes us to this place of home, of pasture, rest, security, nourishment, provision, protection, all of these things that we're looking for. It's the place where we find we belong. It's the place where we find life and sustenance for our souls, and it's a place that's secure in his covenant. That's pasture. Right? If we look back at verse 2, the next activity we see there is he makes me lie down. Remember, it's reversed in the Hebrew. This is the Hebrew word yarbitzeni. It means to repose, to rest from exertion. It's typically referred, used to refer to an animal who has tucked its legs underneath itself and laid down. And that is a sign that that animal is completely, totally, 100% secure. It feels safe. It's tucked its legs underneath and it, and it lies down. It's directly connected to what we've just learned about the pasture, right? It's the place we're secure. It's the place we're safe. It's the place that allows us to rest, to repose. Some of the synonyms for repose are tranquility, stillness, peace, and calm. And when was the last time any of you has used one of those words to describe your life? But isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we hope for? Stillness, calmness. It's what we need to understand about this. God doesn't take us to this place so that we can work and slave all day. He doesn't take us to this place and then set the alarm so that we can get back to work. He takes us here so that we can lay down that we can rest, right? This is where we experience Sabbath. It's rest. It's so important, right? What does the shepherd do in order to provide nourishment, in order to provide security and safety? He brings me to a place where I'm safe, where I I find the nourishment I need, and then he allows me to rest. It's the place of rest, right? It's a foreshadow of our ultimate rest. When all of our laboring will finally be over, when we truly, once and for all, can just rest. 
And there's another thing interesting here. Sheep don't eat laying down. And so there's a picture here of total satisfaction. A sheep will only lay down when it's finally had enough to eat. So the assumption here is that we are completely satisfied here. And that allows us to rest, right? When Jesus fed the 5,000 and then again when he read the 4,000, the Bible tells us those people were satisfied, completely satisfied, totally satisfied. That's the idea, right? And, and it's important to understand that if we don't rest, then our lives will be lives of chaos, We'll never find that relief, never satisfied, never at rest. So here's God's solution. He brings you to the place where you belong, where you find home, where you're cared for and nurtured and provided. And in that place, we can lay down. We can rest. And in doing so, we then proclaim the steadfast assurance we have that God ultimately one day will allow us to rest completely. When his kingdom comes, we are expressing our faith in the fact that we trust God to do what he said he'll do. He's bringing his kingdom. And when he brings his kingdom, we will rest completely from our labors. And this picture of Yarbatseni goes hand in hand with this idea of covenant. The picture shows us something like a person's need or desire for life is surrounded by our work. The Hebrew letter yod, which means work or deeds, is on both ends of this word. And so work surrounds us, but we need rest. We have this desire to find this rest for ourselves. And so to be in green pastures means to be in the house of life that's secured by this covenant where we can rest in between our work. And that's an important concept as well. We are to be working. We're to be doing. Our life is to be surrounded by work. We are to occupy ourselves, and the Bible is very clear about this. We are to occupy ourselves with advancing God's kingdom. That's what we are to be doing. We're sheep. We're to do what the shepherd does. And, and so we're to occupy ourselves. We're to multiply the kingdom. We learn this from Paul's example as well. Not only are we to be advancing the kingdom, and that's our work, but we're also to work to provide for ourselves. Like it or not, in this existence, in this world, work is a part of how we experience this world. It's just part of it. But rest is imperative. You've got to rest. You've got to exhibit your trust, your faith in God's ultimate promise that he will bring you to this place of ultimate rest by doing so here. So when we're working to fulfill God's plans and purposes through our work, whatever that may be, we discover this community, we discover this life, we discover that we're home with others who are like-minded, we're part of God's kingdom, his family, his very body, and there is strength and life and security in those things. And we're to be about working together to bring his gospel to bear on this world. But we need to rest. We can't be consumed by work. We have to rest and recharge and renew. So don't let work consume your need for community. Don't let your work consume your need for a home and, and your need of life. And that picture again reminds us as well that work can totally swallow those things if we're not careful in our rest. These, this place of pasture is where we'll be satisfied. 
where we'll be secure, where we'll be safe, and, and we can ultimately rest. And by doing so, again, we proclaim our faith in the coming kingdom of God and in his rest. And in the second part of verse 2, we see the same pattern. It doesn't say he leads me beside still waters. It says beside water still he leads me. So again, the important thing here is the water. First it's food, and now it's water, right? We won't live long without either one of those. And so God brings us to this place beside the waters that are still. The picture here is is really interesting. It, It carries the idea of knowing or experiencing, and really those two things are exactly the same in Hebrew. To know something is to experience it. And only when you experience do you know it. But this is knowing or experiencing control over chaos's deeds. How many of you would like to describe your life that way? Right? I mean, it sounds so good. Knowing what it's like to experience just a little control over the chaos of the life that's all around us. This is where God brings us. And this is where we experience that control. Right? The waters are still. They're not fast, rushing waters. There's no danger there. There's no rapids. It's calm control over chaos. While I'm resting, I'm not going to be overtaken by all of that. All of those pressing needs, all of the urgent things that I feel like I have to do aren't going to overtake me. I can put those aside. Everything I need to accomplish, I can lay it aside and I can truly rest. I can find stillness and calmness when I rest in him. And the shepherd is doing all of this. It's it's him that's doing this. It's his provision. It's his protection that allows me to rest because I know he's got it. Life's not going to overwhelm me because of what he's doing. Right? That nagging voice of the unaccomplished, the urgent, the necessary, we can let it go because we know that God is going to sustain us. He will give us everything we need to accomplish what he wants us to accomplish, but we've got to rest, right? He's going to handle it. We, we know what he's going to do because of what he's done. He is Yahweh. And when we act like sheep, we will experience the order in our lives. And I'm not saying that our lives will be free of chaos, That's not at all what I'm saying. We know that that's not going to happen. But when we rest, truly rest, trusting God to do for us what he said he'll do, then again, we can lay those things aside. He will pull us above all of that. He will refresh us and restore us and renew us so that when we get about doing what he does, the chaos won't overwhelm us. He's in control. The class five rapids of life begin to slow. They become steady. They become still. The sound of raging water is now just still. And God allows us to rest in the midst of that chaos. If a shepherd takes his sheep to a place where the waters are not still, they will not drink. They're too afraid. And so again, we need to be in this place to truly allow God to fill us, to nourish us, to restore us. And it's a specific place. The sheep do not decide where to go to find this. The shepherd leads them. And they must follow him to find this place, to this place where the water is still. And that word is important. The word is menucha. It comes from the root nuach. 
In Genesis chapter 5, we read about Lamech, and Lamech has a son, and he names his son Nuach, Noah. And he says, we will call this one Noah because he will provide us with rest. And so even this, this word for rest, it means still, completely still. And so if we want to be literal, we'd say beside waters at rest, he leads me. We rest at these waters that are resting. And, and that provides us this idea of, again, God's covenant separating us from the chaos that's all around us. When chaos and life are separated, we're secure, we feel secure, and so we can rest. And we need to have that rest in order to, again, accomplish what God has before us. So David is reminding us of all of this. God's covenant is secure. It will not fail. It extends to my life when I rest in him. When I act like a sheep, when I follow his leading, and I follow because I know that ultimately he's going to bring me to this point where I can feel safe and secure and nurtured and provided and protected and I can lay down and I can rest. All right, God shows us this in creation. For six days he labored and on the seventh he rested. And do you know who rested with him? The man and the woman. They were created on the sixth day and on the seventh day they rested. And so the very first thing that we as humans experience is rest. And again, it's a beautiful picture of ultimately this final rest that God will bring us to. He will return us to the garden and we'll rest completely in him. The whole feel of this psalm is what the shepherd does to take me to this place of rest where his authority and control keep the chaos at bay so that I can be refreshed and renewed and then be a sheep. And it only applies to sheep. God's shepherding activity only applies to those that he sees following him on his path. If I'm not allowing him to separate the chaos from my life, then I won't experience any of this. My life is just going to continue as a frustrating fight for control over the chaos that rages all around me, and I will lose that battle every time. Sheep are the ones who follow. They have to be directed and they have confidence in the shepherd because they know that the shepherd will take deliberate steps to care for them, to bring them to this place, this place of rest where we find life's rushing waters are calm, right? And, and again, he leads me. That's what we see next. Besides still waters, he leads me, right? And this word has the essence of a careful, caring leadership, right? If I want to experience God's control of chaos in my life, I have to follow where he's taking me, right? I, I, I will experience green pastures and still waters only when I allow him to get me there, to lead me there. And, and I'm completely satisfied in what he's provided and I can rest and I know that he'll take care of the chaos when I follow him to this place, right? Yenaheleni is the word. It's from the root word Nahal, and it means to lead with care. This is how the theological word book of the Old Testament defines this word. Nahal denotes a shepherd's loving, concerned leading of his flock. It's all connected. The same word is translated in Isaiah 7:19 as pasture. God takes us to this place 
of rest. It's all about the shepherd's careful, loving leading of his sheep, leading someone who is helpless, leading someone who needs to be guided in the right way because they cannot find it on their own. And where does he take us? To the place we find life, food and water, right? He, he takes us there. He's the one who created it. He's the one who sustains it. He's the one who provides for us so that we'll find the life that we so desperately need. And, and the picture of this word provides us with that. The, the letters tell us something like we can find in our, the, it, it tells us about the life, I'm sorry, that we can find in our work when we allow God's control and authority to guide our work. Right? It's Colossians 3.23 and 24. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than men. Knowing from the Lord you'll receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. Right? I'm to do what I see him doing. And when we see what we see him doing is bringing life and order into the chaos of the world. And when we do this, when we strive to bring life and order to others, guess what happens? We find life and order for ourselves through the things that we do. When we exhibit God's authority and his control, not only do we find life, but we then bring it. That's the promise he's made us. When you act like sheep, when you follow what I do, and when you do what I do, when you act like me, not only will you discover life for yourself in your work, but your work is going to bring life to others. You'll find life and you'll bring life when you're a sheep. It goes, goes back to Exodus, right? 34, 6 through 7, when God tells Moses who he is. Essentially, this is the list of what we're to be doing. This is how we bring life and order into the chaos of this world. We are to be like him. And who is he? He is compassionate. He's slow to, for, slow to anger. He's quick to forgive. He shows mercy that's what he does. That's what we need to do. And in doing so, he's going to provide and protect and nurture us and give us everything we need in order to do exactly what he does. We are to be imitators of Christ. We're to bring the gospel of Christ to bear in every area of our life. And when we do that, we will truly experience the abundant life that Christ promised to give us. He will provide a path through the chaos that surrounds you. He'll bring you to the other side as a new creation to walk in freedom with him. The shepherd is going to bring you to pastures green and water still. But you have to be a sheep. You have to know the shepherd. Jesus said in John 10, 10 11, I am the good shepherd. And the shepherd lays his life down for his sheep. He also said in John 10, 17 through 18, for this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. No one has taken it from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father, Jesus, the good shepherd. He laid his life down for you. He wants to give you rest. He wants to care for you. He wants to provide for you. He wants to nurture you. He wants to protect you. He wants to give you rest. He wants to save you. 
And so he laid his life down to pay the penalty for your sin. He has completely canceled the debt against you because of your rebellion. He's paid it in full. And all you need to do is walk through that door, the door that secures the pathway. And Jesus says in John chapter 10 that he is the door of the sheep. He says in verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. And he will go in and go out and find what? Pasture, home, rest, provision, protection, all of those things that we so desperately crave. How do you enter that door? You place your trust in the finished work of Jesus on your behalf. You turn away from your life of rebellion and of sin, and you follow the shepherd on his path. You give him control of your life, and in doing so, you'll discover exactly what Jeremiah 31.25 says. For I satisfy the weary ones and refresh everyone who languishes. That's what the shepherd desires to do. You will find pastures green. You will find waters still when you become a sheep and trust the shepherd with the control of your life. Please pray with me. Father, what incredible words, what comforting words. And Lord, who can even begin to understand the depth of your love for us? Oh, how deep the deep love of Jesus is. Father, you willingly gave your life to pay the penalty for my sin. Lord, you paid it in full. I owe nothing. All I have to do is freely receive the gift that you've provided for me to place my faith and trust in your finished work. Father, that you are the shepherd and you know how to take me to this place of rest. And if I will simply follow your control and your leading, I will experience what you promised. Ultimately, Lord, the promise of eternal life. Father, on the cross, with your last words, you said, it is finished. There is nothing more I need do than trust those words. And Father, three days later, you took your life back again. You rose from the dead, and because you did, we know you have the power to forgive sin and to grant eternal life. And Father, we all long for that day when you've promised you will come back and take us to be with you where you are forever. Lord, I pray everyone here has come to understand who you are and what you'll do for us, that you desire to love us and nurture us and care for us, provide for us and protect us, Lord, and that you pursue us to bring us back onto this path where we find peace and rest and freedom. Father, I pray that we understand that. And Lord, we, we thank you again for this time. Our desire is to glorify you, to bring you honor. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.